Hey, welcome to the Pursuit Collective Podcast. My name is Joe O'Neill. I'm here with my co-host, Mark Cook. Hey, Mark. Hey, guys. Um, today, we have a special guest. Mark, tell us who we have uh, joining us. Dude, I am really excited to introduce, uh, I would say, a growing friend. I say <laughs> that because I hope that we'll continue to get to hang out, but um, Mikey Taylor. And uh, excited to have a conversation with you, Mikey. Thank you for being here and being on the podcast with us. Hey, thanks for having me, boys. Hey, is it the kind of thing where it's like, Mikey, we can call, still call you pro skateboarder, just like you have to call an ex-president, like still Mr. President? Or or do you <laughs> yeah. at some point become like, a, like I was a pro skater? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, fair. Uh, you know what? I typically tell people I used to be a pro skateboarder, but uh, nine times out of 10, when I'm introduced, I'm introduced as a pro skateboarder. So okay. <laughs> you're uh, going to be like 80 shoot, years old. Bro, I would roll <laughs> yeah. with it until I, was, yeah. until I die. I'm like, yep, pro skateboarder. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm operating in this gray space. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Well, man, we're not going to go as deep as like a nine club interview because we don't have three hours and, no no uh, but man we do want to hear a little bit of your life story and you know obviously almost 20 years right as a pro skater in the industry uh you know what i went a little bit less than that i went i was pro for about 15 okay yeah um and then gosh skating probably like i don't know 25 or for something sure like that. yeah and 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 how old are you now? I don't know. It's okay to ask you Sir, that. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I might be older than you guys. I just turned 39. Oh yeah. Yeah. So a little older than me. I'm almost 37. Yeah. Okay. Um, You're, just, I'm a little older. Yeah, <laughs> <Let's just leave laughs> it. See, I, I asked you if it's okay to ask your age because Joe doesn't like to talk about it. No, but, I'm 41. Uh, That's all good. Uh, 41. Okay. Let's go. You're, Let's go. You're, uh, you're not. You didn't make the millennial cutoff then. I didn't, man. I'm just over the line there, whatever that is. Yeah, okay. I'm eight, 1980, so. Yeah, that's okay. Awesome. But, so, but you got to be a part, well, sorry. No, go you, ahead. You got to be a part of, I think, one of my favorite eras of skateboarding, that like late 90s, early 2000s. I think, where did you start? Did you come up with City Stars and, and some of that stuff? Well, City Stars was like kind of the, the, the one where like I came up like in the actual industry. But uh, I grew up on like, you know, House and uh, Welcome to Hell, and you know it, it was a '90s era is when I started skating, and that's kind of you know what ultimately grabbed me about it. So I think that era will always be just special to me. Yeah. Um, but City Stars was kind of the company that like really put me and you know who were all my friends growing up, which was P Rod and Van and Justin and Spanky, uh, kind of on the map. Yeah, dude, no doubt. Did you grow up with um with Paul? I grew up with Paul. Uh, I grew up so Spanky and I have known each other since we were like six years old. We were friends before we even started skating. That's crazy. Uh, Van and Justin, uh, I grew up with. We went to school together, and then we got connected with Paul when we were probably like fourteen, fifteen, right around then. Okay. Um, I think so. Two thousand. Let me see. Two thousand and so in bloom is like two thousand and two. Were you writing for City Stars? Uh, in bloom i was yeah i was writing for city stars i just graduated high school and uh skateboarding just like became officially full-time so rad so tell me about i guess coming up on that because i feel like that video really propelled at least for me i mean that's when i became became exposed to you as well as Uh you know p-rock chris cole there's a whole that whole crew there really was that up-and-coming am video you know that trans world put together yeah. but what was it like to be a part of that video and then i don't i would guess that sort of kind of propelled your career forward yeah so like transville like i grew up in the era where transville was like incredibly special it was like you know we just went off the ty evans trilogy it was like you know mm-hmm. feedback the reason modus yep. operandi 
And if you were in Transworld, that was like as big of a deal as possible. For right? sure. Yep. So the City Stars video came out, and we had heard, or Paul basically told us that Paul was going to be in the new Transworld video. And we were like blown away. We were like, Paul, dude, you're going to like fully have made it. Like yeah. this is insane. <laughs> yeah. And, and then like, you know, right after the City Stars video kind of started catching, you know, some attention – uh, I got a call from, gosh, it was either Ewan or maybe John Holland. And they were like, dude, do you want to be in this Transworld video? And it was like the most surreal moment because that was like, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to do it. Like, yeah. I'm going to have a full career, you know? <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, we filmed for the video. Uh, it didn't feel that much different at the time uh, mm-hmm. for what we were doing in the past. Like, you know, it, we were in this like, moment of time where like it just still felt like we were on the homie mission yeah. and people were just filming us that was pretty fun and then i remember going to italy during the premiere and i met with uh like anthony Popolardo was on the trip with us yeah yeah and i remember he said something he's like dude uh this is gonna change everything for you and i was like gosh that's so weird and then all of a sudden everything changed yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> Yeah, oh, it was cool. That's and, a, how, and how long yeah. after that until you ended up getting on Alien Workshop? Was that pretty quick after oh, that? Oh, so, so uh, oh, man, no, it wasn't totally right after. I got on Seek, okay. which was uh, a kind of a spinoff brand of Alien that uh, Robin Kalis did. Okay. And I rode for that for probably, oh gosh, four years, four wow. or five years until it, it well, I got taken over into Alien. Yeah, okay. Um. Was I can't remember. Was Anthony with Papalardo on that team with you then for a little while? No, he was on Alien the whole time. And uh, Giovanni Retta, which was a uh, he was a big yep. photographer in skateboarding. Yep. Uh, he started doing these Italy trips, and Papalardo was on every one. So I kind of became friends with Anthony. And when Paul quit City Stars, uh, I panicked. Also, <laughs> I was like, okay, crap. Yeah. I need to find out, you know, who I could ride for. And Anthony was the first person I called. And I basically said, dude, can I ride for anything over there? I don't yeah. care what. If <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. alien, habitat, seek, I would love to do anything. Yeah. Uh, and then 30 minutes later, I'm on the phone with Deirdick, and Deirdick's like, Deirdick's like, so, do you want to be pro for seek? I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> so, then, Oh, so they turned you pro. It. Well, I, Paul and I turned pro for City Stars oh, they did. Okay. technically, and then Paul quit before our boards hit the market. Oh, wow. And so then I did also. <laughs> what do you think they did? So what did they do with your your board and Paul's board, the pro models? When oh, they're like, man. Spray, spray paint. Yeah, you know what? I, I think some of them did hit the market. Yeah. Um, but, I, dude, when something like that happens, it almost, I think, becomes almost like a collectible. For like sure. The boards that never came out. So I, dude, I think uh, it ended up working out okay, but uh, – uh, you know, city stars ended up kind of going away. So yeah. the, yeah. the long-term effect wasn't great. Yeah. Yeah. So road for seek for a little while. Well, a long while, four or five years, and then on to workshop. And yep. you're, are you writing, are you still writing, I think with S and maybe Spitfire and I'm not sure who else. And before, but this is all before DC, right? Yeah. So S from S I got onto DVS. Right. Mm-hmm. I wrote for DVS for, I don't know, four years, maybe five years. Uh, and then I ended up writing for Etnies for about four years and then I finished it out on DC. Okay. 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 Awesome, yeah. Man. You find, yourself- I jumped around, man. Yeah. I jumped around, but, but you jumped around to like some of the best brands out there. Yeah, so exactly. like core brands, you know what I mean? Like brands that yeah. built skateboarding. So I think that's something to be proud of for sure. Yeah. It's a, it's a, 
it's a hard balance to ride because you're like you want to be loyal, but like loyal doesn't produce the biggest return. So it's right. definitely a, a little tricky to navigate through. That'll actually be a good segue too. Maybe as you, so you, you know, you're trying to provide eventually, obviously you're going to start a family, all these kinds of things. So you're talking about return. Like you want to be able to invest in a company, but also have them invest in you, like have there be, yep. you know, some reciprocation there. So, how how did some of those lessons you learned as a professional skateboarder and coming up in the skateboarding industry, how do you think some of that shaped, you know, kind of where you are now? And we'll get into what you're doing now. Yeah, I, I think, you know, as far as like negotiations go, that was probably a big one. Just like learning how to create some sort of leverage for yourself to negotiate better terms. Right. Uh, that is, I think, it's definitely at play with what I do now. So uh, I think that was a good one. Um, dude, having to make hard calls, like having to call a sponsor and have those difficult conversations, I think like helps me build character, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, I think I was able to use so far and hopefully will continue, continue to use. And then I would say probably more than anything, learning how to stay relevant, like skateboarding it, it operates in these like four year cycles. Right. Mm-hmm. And every four years, it's like, you kind of got to figure out how to grab the next audience moving up. Mm. And you're always trying to maintain in this like 13 to 17 year old window. Right. It, you know what I'm saying? And so like having to like figure out like how not to become boring, how not to become stale and, and, and reinvention is actually really difficult. So uh, I think that was probably a, a lot of learning through that as well. Yeah, that makes good sense. Although I am 41 and I just did just buy a new Habitat board today, so <laughs> I'm somebody's target market somewhere. <laughs> you are maybe well, not target well, market. That's true. dude. Look, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, you know, if you if you only attract one generation or, or or in skate terms, let's say four years. Yeah. Well, you can only carry that so long until you know the large percentage of them it's stop gone. buying skate yeah, product, right? Totally. Absolutely. So if you want to, if you want a longer career, you've got to figure out a way to resonate with the new kids coming up because, dude, they're who buy product. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you know. That's good. Well, let's go back a little bit. Um, I feel like it was a while ago. You and your wife were over in Israel, and you guys posted a mm. picture of you guys getting baptized in the Jordan. Mm. And I feel like yeah. you, you've never been shy about being a Christian um, or your faith. But what did what is that like growing up? I mean, were you? Did you grow up in a Christian home? Like, at what was there a point in your life that you remember? You're like, oh yeah, this is what I'm going to believe. Or what did that Ooh. look like for you? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, no, I did not grow up in a Christian home. Uh, it was kind of agnostic, okay. uh, but I grew up in a Jewish area. And one thing I always used to ask my parents, like we celebrated Christmas and a lot of my friends celebrated Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. And I kept remembering asking my parents, why do we celebrate Christmas? And my friends celebrate Hanukkah. They, they didn't have a good answer for me. Like, <laughs> it was yeah. just like, we just do that. I Santa Claus, was so Christmas gifts. That yeah. we just do that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then I had a friend in my neighborhood that I was really close with that invited me to go to uh, this like summer camp that we have in California called Hume Lake. Okay. And I went there with him and it was like, I can't remember how long, four or five days and basically became a Christian out there and came home so excited. Mom, dad, I know why we celebrate Christmas. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Right. I was so excited to tell him. And then what was actually really cool is, uh, 
the parents of the kid who invited me to Hume Lake ended up bringing my parents to the Lord. Wow. But it, it didn't happen together as a family. It was like I was on my own journey hmm. as they were as well. And then all of a sudden, kind of, you know, a big life change in our family. Yeah. And then we started going to church. But I, I, I remember the transition, like, very vividly. Wow. And, and that is very different than my wife. My wife grew up in a Christian family, grew up in the church. So we had two different experiences growing up. Dude, that's crazy. I feel like, you know, so often at Right Nature through the organization, our hope is, right, that we're at the park, we're hanging with these kids, we're building relationships with them that at some point we see a change in their life and, and we don't know when it's going to happen. It's like some, some kids we may never, and some, it might be way past our relationship with them. And, but the desire that if that kid's life has changed, that hopefully he reflects that change back to his family and they yeah. hear that and see that. And yeah. it's a, you know, it's a, it's a window into a family where siblings or parents, you know, get to hear the same, the same hope that we're getting to share. And it's cool to hear stories of that happening with other people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's our that's our biggest like testament to people is like when they see change happen in our lives, right? That's when like that's that's when they start paying attention. Like, wow, yeah. there is something going on here. What is what is this all about? You For know, sure. right? But if and you how, start talking and none of your your actions support what you're saying, you, totally. you don't opportunity. I mean, we say it all the time. It's just like you can say that you skate all day long, but you'll see the evidence of the, <laughs> you, you, your, yeah. the, how you skate is going to validate the things that you say. And yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Talk is cheap, you know, especially in, in yeah. this world. How, how, old, right. how old do you think you were? You remember how old you were at that point? Oh gosh. I was, yeah, I was probably like fourth grade. So wow. maybe that was like young. 10. Oh yeah. Young. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. 10 that's years cool. old or that's something. That's cool. Um, Dude, that's amazing. We'll get, we'll come back. Maybe come back to that. The uh, the transition. So so you're riding for DC, and I remember mm-hmm. you did an interview, I think, with the barracks about this or something. But um, riding for DC, they you leave DC, or there's obviously a separation there, and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, now what? And was mm-hmm. that was that when you helped, like you guys co-started, or you and someone else co-started Saint Archer? Is that around that same time? Mm-hmm. No, we actually started uh, St. Archer while I was still skating. Okay. We started St. Archer, uh, idea was 2011. We opened doors in 2012. Okay. And then my career officially ended uh, at the end of 2016. Okay, so yeah, a few years for sure before that happened. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. I know Joe and I were talking earlier. It's just like, you know, how often someone that's a skater, you know, like they get to the point where they need money and they're like, Oh crap. Now what mm. do I do? Do you feel like you obviously were in a position to be able to start something with any reserves or money that you had saved? You, you were already kind of starting to think forward at that point. Yeah. Well, really what happened, I'm, I'm like so thankful for it. Now looking back is when I told my parents, I wasn't going to go to college and I was going to skate. They full blown panicked. Yeah. <laughs> and they basically said the only way you can do this with our, our blessing is if you go get connected with one of their friends who uh, owned a wealth advisor. He basically helped people plan financially and help them invest. Right. And so I got connected with him when I was like 19 years old. Wow. And so from 19 is really where it started for me, where it was like, okay – we're going to start with the foundation. We're going to start planning. We're going to create discipline. We're going to learn how to invest, right? Hmm. And the thing was, I never thought my career was going to go past five years. Hmm. Sure. So it was like, okay, let's just be disciplined for five years. And then I was like, wow, I'm still skating. Let's yeah. go another five. And then that happened three times, Yeah. Wow. you know? 
So I was I was planning for it since the go. What I was not planning for in the beginning is that I was going to have this desire to start business. Mm-hmm. Like my original plan was, you know, just live like I'm broke, invest my money, and hopefully get to a point where I have enough income coming in from my investments where I don't have to get another job. And if I do need to get another job, maybe this will make it even easier because mm-hmm. I'll have this, you know, machine already working for me. For mm-hmm. sure. Um, that was the original plan. And then with St. Archer, then it just kind of changed a little bit because I started having more confidence in myself that I could go out and earn uh, beyond just my ability to ride a skateboard. Yeah. So I think let's just let's back up for a second and assume that that some of our listeners won't know all the things that you're currently involved with. So pro skateboarder until 2016, I think there was an injury there. Now you're looking at, okay, what's next? Um, Tell us some of the things that, you know, that you're a part of uh, today. Okay, so uh, while I was skating, we started St. Archer Brewing Company. It was a, a brewery in San Diego. Uh, we ended up selling that to Miller Coors. Uh, from there, uh, I started a little skateboard company called Sovereign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, and then started the company I, I do now, which is Commune Capital, and we're a private equity real estate firm. We manage three different real estate portfolios, uh, one in multifamily apartments, one in storage units, and we have a lending portfolio as well. And we're managing uh, about $170 million of real estate now. Yeah, that's that's incredible. So are you, yeah. you that's, that is commune your kind of day job, if you will? It's my beyond my day. My <laughs> your day, day night, night job. Night job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So are yeah, you, so, so okay. Sovereign, the skateboard company, I, I got, uh, Alien Workshop went out of business uh, while I was still skating. Mm. And, I didn't feel like there were any other skateboard companies out there that like I really fit with. Mm-hmm. And so Sovereign was the, okay, crap. Let me just do something that's like my vibe and, you know, let's try and create it so it doesn't lose money. And then it turned into like us being able to sponsor other people. And yeah. uh, it, it became cool. But Sovereign runs and operates without me. You learned maybe at an early age at 19, you know, you're sitting with somebody who's kind of giving you some advice on how to steward your resources, what to do with your finances, how to kind of maybe live mm. below your means, etc. Mm. Um, you probably had friends in the industry who you were watching make maybe different choices. Um, mm-hmm. do, tell me about how maybe some of that motivated you as you're looking around saying, okay, I want to take what I've learned and share that with others so that they can, you know, be doing the same sorts of things. Yeah, you know what? That that uh like realization or ability to see that like I was doing something correctly came later. Like when I was in like the thick of it, uh I wasn't sure if what I was doing was right or not. Like mm. I was doing it, like I I had great guidance, I believed in the vision, but I really didn't see the fruits of that labor until my career ended, mm. truthfully. Hmm. Right. Because it was like, okay, I'm living like I'm broke. I'm looking around and driving a, you know, $3,000 civic hatchback, you know, making enough money to not have to drive that car. Right. Right. I look around, all my friends are, are, you know, driving really nice cars. They're buying really nice homes and I'm not. And so I'm staying focused on the goal, but this thing really didn't start like, uh, paying out to the point of me actually losing my sponsors and losing my income. Mm. And then it was like, holy crap. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. It worked, you know, and <laughs> then the realization of like, holy crap, I I have something that that more people need to know about. Mm. I love that. Yeah. That's uh I can't remember 
is it uh, to correct me if I'm wrong, it might be Dave Ramsey. It's somebody, it's a financial advisor who says, you know, you're living like nobody else so you can live like nobody else or something yeah, like that's that. Right. Yeah, you're living that's like right. no one else right now so you can live like nobody else right now. Yeah. yeah. So that must have been weird to watch all your friends, like, you know, at least the ones who are successful, you know, kind of rolling a little bit. And (laughs) I, I drive a Civic. I love my Honda, but (laughs) yeah, but you know what? I just, I remember all my friends making fun of me for being so frugal, right? Like you're such a cheapskate. You're so frugal, dude, enjoy your life. You make enough to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, I have like the pressure of my friends and they didn't mean any ill will by it. You know, right. It's just it's one thing when you're like in the beginning of it, like trying to make it happen. It's another when you see the plan actually work. When I think it's, you know? it's so counterculture too. I mean, we live in a world that's so self-centered that it's just oh. like, get what you can, live it up. Yep. Today's the yep. day, you know, don't yep. think about tomorrow. And yep. I think about like, when I think about commune, I think about the things that you're doing now. It is not present focused. It's future focused. You know, it's yep. the return right now. Yeah. I mean, I saw you make a post the other day. It's like, would you rather have $100,000 or $800 a month? You know, and it's just like, I can guarantee you, I feel like the majority of people are going to say, I'll take the money right now. Yeah. And that's yeah. the, I would, you know, I, I assume that's the attitude probably of a lot of people in the skate community and industry that are, you know, it's like for the first time, it's like, and you see it. I mean, the stories of people who win the lottery and then in several yeah. years are bankrupt and you're just like, what That's happened? Right. And it's because, you know, people live for the yeah. present. And you know, I think we look at scripture, we look at the Bible and it's just like, no, like, like have the big picture, look to the future. It's this yeah. world is not necessarily our home. Right. We're living with an internal mindset and internal focus. I was going to say, this is actually a really, really interesting point that you just brought up because one Uh, I think what's good for everyone to know, if you want to be successful, do everything opposite of what culture tells you. That's probably first. (laughs) Totally. Uh, Two, you know, a lot of people have this idea that if you work at managing money, then you love money, right? Like we, we don't get a lot of good examples in present day of people that are successful with money to a point where it doesn't corrupt them or become, you know, an idol of theirs right and 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 it's so funny because i do i get it all the time like people like dude there's more to life than money why are you in love and i'm like i agree with you i agree with all of you that's not what i'm saying (laughs) yeah what i'm saying is like we're called to manage the things that we're given correctly right and when we learn how to be responsible with little we're told that we'll be given more and be responsible with more Right, and if so we're not yeah. responsible with little, that means everything will be taken from totally. us, right? Right. So it's it, 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 it's interesting because everything that we're out there communicating, it's all biblical principles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's all things that were told to us. It's just money is is that one that is, dude. It's it's, it's, it's hard. Emotional man. Heck yeah. Well, yeah, and it, it. I think it's Jesus talks about money so much because it is so tempting. I would say to most of us, you know, to me, yeah. I'll say, you know, to want you know, to, to want to get more money or, or whatever, somehow yeah. it, it kind of can operate as a, as the yeah. thing you're chasing after. It's easy. That's and right. it's not like, it's, right. yeah. And I think that's why Jesus warns so much about having that, um, as a central focus, because he knows yeah. a, it's not gonna bring you happiness. It's not going to satisfy yeah. you. It's not where true joy is, but that, yeah. um, him, his kingdom, his presence, but that what's the, what's the, the story he tells of the, um, the master who leaves, you know, his servants with something in their hands to do something uh, the with, talents. yeah, to steward yeah. it with, and yeah. the 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 ones who take what he entrusts them, the ones who take what he stewards 
to them and they multiply it and they find ways to use it and they find ways to expand. Those are the ones he says, you know, well done. And to the one who yeah. just kind of hangs on to it all and just is sort of like miserly and just kind of scared, whatever. He he's the one who buries like, it in the yeah, ground. Yeah. yeah. So I think yeah. I think that principle of stewardship and taking what God has entrusted to us, not just money, right, but yeah, abilities, right. Um, even our own families, in every way in which the Lord has blessed us and everything we have is from the Lord. So in every way which he's blessed us, how do we take that and leverage that f- mm. for him and for others and for you know the good of our community and ultimately for his kingdom? That's good. That's right. That's right. Man, I've seen, I see you a lot of times hanging out with younger guys and it, it encourages me because I feel like, and, and maybe you can share more about this, but it seems like from the outside that you are helping to mentor and guide other guys to make the same decisions that you made, recognizing that it's paid off. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm. and are you seeing that? I mean, people coming to you saying, Hey Mikey, you, you've done well. And what that guy did with you when you were 19, would you do that with me? Mm. Like, is, is that happening? Yeah. It, it, to answer your question, yes. Uh, what's fascinating is it's not just people younger than me, actually. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I talk to a lot of people older than me, believe yeah. it or not, that mm-hmm. just didn't have that guidance and yeah. I'm trying to kind of figure it out now. Uh, but there, there is this – like I know how important it is to, to start young. So there's, there's a focus on my end to try to figure out a way to capture the youth. You know, or or the next step above, so that they can then speak to the young kids. Right. But uh, yeah, dude, I, I I look, I was blessed by somebody coming into my life, yeah. right? Like he he changed the trajectory of my my future in a lot of ways. So it's like wanting to help others in that regard. Uh, yeah, I'm I I love that. I'm I'm it motivates me to help and and I feel fulfilled when I do so as well. Totally. And I feel like it's like when you find people who are willing to be taught and want to listen, it's totally, obviously it's an exciting thing to want to pour into them. It's different when you're trying to give advice to somebody who doesn't listen to anything about all the the scripture verses, talk about the foolish people don't want to take the wisdom (laughs) from others, you know, and it's one thing. Yeah. When you've got somebody who's like, Hey, you know, depend, you know, irrelevant on the age of just saying, yeah, like yeah. show me, teach me, yeah. you know, and yeah. um, what a cool opportunity. Well, one thought, man. So, so I've got, I was sharing this with Joe earlier. I've got a motorcycle. I actually have two motorcycles and I saw a poster one time and it was like, uh, the thing about a motorcycle is once you have one, you want two. And once you have two, you want 10. <laughs> and I told him, I said, man, like I don't have, I don't have a ton of money, but I was like, I do want more motorcycles. Like I literally, yeah. so silly. But, um, but being in Southern California, I was just out there a couple months ago. I mean, I feel like it's the epitome of consumerism. And I don't, I don't mean that to, to bash on Southern California, but it's just, it's, it's, Definitely. I mean, you see the idea and the concept of keeping up with the Joneses and do yeah. you, do you find yourself like, I guess, I guess more so, how do you, how do you combat that? How do you fight the desire for more or to mm. live the same life as everyone else? I mean, as you, as you get successful or as you're getting more successful, how do you, yeah, try to, to stay home? Yeah. It's a good, it's a really good question. Um, so there's, there's a couple parts to it. One, and I was lucky in this regard, uh, I've never really struggled with money. It, it, it's, it, I, I've never really needed it, to tell you the truth. Um, and so having to like wanting to buy things, it, that just hasn't been one of my challenges. But I, I do have other challenges that end up kind of I have to work through, right? Like the keeping up with the Joneses, for me, it's 
that's a real thing that we all struggle with, mm-hmm, right? Right. right. Uh, you know, wanting to to compete, and I think the competition part is ultimately highlighting uh, where my challenge lies. Mm. I'm competitive, man. Yeah, totally. I am so competitive. I want to win always. I hate losing. And when it comes to like social status, you could see how that could very, very easily get in kind of competition mode. Yeah. And dude, when it comes to that, man, it's like, I think it's one of those things where it's like, when I remove myself and, and, and glorify God through my actions, I'm ultimately blessed. Yeah. And, and so what I found is like the more time I spend with him, the, the less I struggle with stuff like that. So good. And so, so I, yeah. I think I think that's just one of those areas where it's like uh, he's he's just been helping me not really get caught up in that race, man. Mm. But th- but then the other part is like the the I like building business, right? Like I do want to like be successful with what I'm doing. But like people ask me all the time, well, well how much? Well, what's enough for you? Like how much money are you <laughs> trying to get to? Uh, it, 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 it's not about the money for me. It really yeah. isn't. It, it, it's about the win. It's yeah. about the game, you yeah. know? <laughs> and so that then becomes my challenge is more, yeah. more the game aspect of it. I mean, yeah, there, that makes sense though. That and makes there's sense. this quote, I, you know, we were talking about this earlier, this guy, John Wesley, old theologian, he says, he says that we should make as much money as we can, save as much money as we can and give as much money as we can. Because yeah. money at the end of the day is a tool and a resource that can be used. Right. And um, that's right. It's nothing wrong with making money i think well i think you said it too mikey you know setting your this is what first timothy 6 says to set your hope not on the uncertainty of riches but to set your hope on god who richly provides us with everything to enjoy and i think i think that's the key to to protecting yourself from really anything that moves into a spot of idolatry is really to set your hope on the lord and to experience and enjoy more of him and then you're not as yeah. worried about the money or the win or the whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And you know what, too? There's, there's, you know, we all, like, look, we all have strengths, we all have weaknesses, yeah. right? Yeah. The, the one thing where I can easily talk myself into spending yeah. is when you can make an argument that it's an investment, totally. right? For example, I do it all the time. See, yeah. <laughs> you, you see a lot sense. of like digital marketers get into this kind of challenge, right? They're like, dude, I need a nice car so that people see me, mm-hmm. think I'm, you know, doing well with business and then want to work with my business. Right. Right. That I can so easily do. Sure. Right. Oh, dude, we need to get this because this will help with our marketing campaign. Oh, we need to do this because then we'll get more investors, right? Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's where I have to check myself probably more than like the you know, keeping up with the Jones yeah. uh, idea. But see, the fact that you can recognize that uh, is is huge because I think a lot of people wouldn't recognize that as like a. They'd be like, "Nope, that's the way the work. That's the way it works. The system works this way. This is how the culture is. We do this. Yeah. This is what we do." Yeah, I hear you. But you know what I think might help too is like I speak about it so much. Mm. Like, do we talk about money in more regards than just money as a tool? Right. We we spend a lot of time talking about the behavioral elements of it, mm-hmm. and so. I think it, it helps too, just constantly putting it out there that this is a challenge. These are areas that get you in trouble, right? But uh, but it's real, man. I'm not going to say it's not. Like mm. uh, social pressure is real, it's, and yeah. it, it's it's hard to you know to work through. Yeah. It takes you being humble and and ultimately kind of removing removing the ego and self out of the equation. That's good. That's good. 
Well, I think, I mean, I, I, I'm, I can only assume that having someone like you who's processing things in the right way and, and, and giving, you know, teaching the things that you learned as you were growing up, I think that's got to be invaluable to a lot of, you know, your clients, your friends, all that kind of stuff. So um, that's, you say you want to win. You say you want to do well, whatever else. I think a lot of that too is just you wanting to use the gifts that God's given you and yeah. wanting to like, that's good, right? When you have a gift and you're good at something and the Lord takes great pleasure when you use that well. So, yeah, look, I, I, I'll tell you guys, I'll tell everybody my, my, what I want more than anything is when I die for God to look at me and go, well done. I want that more than anything. Yeah. I'm terrified that I'm not going to hear that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I think that's the, that's the, the desire, you know? Yeah, I, it totally is, man. And I, it's, I can put myself right where you are too. Here's something, can, if I can just share this, you know, just with mm-hmm. our listeners, but, you know, us as well, just kind of chatting here. Before I put my feet on the ground, and I don't do this every morning, but almost every morning, I remind myself that Jesus has already earned my well done for me. And then mm-hmm. I can go live with the pressure off, wanting to do the things that please the Lord, wanting to live for his kingdom, but knowing that I'll hear well done because Jesus did everything for me and because the Father said of him, well done. Mm-hmm. And so he's mm-hmm. earned, favor has to be earned 100%. I just can't do it. And so, I love that. Yeah, Jesus has that. done it for me. So um, maybe I, I wanted to ask a couple more skateboarding questions, but I don't know if Mark's going no, <laughs> to get angry at me. To be honest, I, it was not our intention to go down this trail of, of talking about the, the finance side of things. I just think, man, I think it's so evident, and, and hopefully this is what the listeners will hear, is that, dude, keep your head up. Think ahead. Yeah. Look in the future. Yeah. Think about eternity. You know how often I talk to people all the time, and it's like, "Hey, have you ever thought about heaven or hell?" And someone will say, "No, I haven't thought about it." You know, and it's just like, "Why?" You know, and it's just like I'm thinking about social media. You know, yeah. something yeah. silly. It's just like, yeah. you know, think about tomorrow. You know, yeah. um, what's coming, and so somebody, somebody on social media is uh, named Vander. It's really good. He his kind of like go to quote is, uh, "Be good to future you." <laughs> I think that's a, a, re- a really good quote to represent that. I like that. Yeah, I like yeah. that. For sure. As someone who constantly needs a reminder just to even be kind to to present present me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Let's hear, what, what other skate questions you got? Well, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you still get a chance to skate some. Is yeah. that something you still make some time for? Not as much as I'd like to. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, my daughter's my daughter's like just now starting to get into skating. Nice. So she's like asking me to take her, which is really really nice. Because then it's like, yes, yeah, let's go do that. We get to spend time together and <laughs> yeah. I get to skate. It doesn't feel like a selfish <laughs> you know? thing where you're like, hey, honey, I need like two hours to just to go sweat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, but without that, truthfully, it's it's tough right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like the day is really really packed and it's just it's it has been hard to find time to skate. Yeah, I totally get that. Um, if you do, if you are skating, you're taking your daughter to the park, like what's the, the thing that you're like, I'm just going to, I just want to do this. Like I want to do crooked grinds. I want to, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like, what's your thing that you just like, ah, just want to do that. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much like, you know, kick flips, nollie flips, switch flips, all, all like the kind of keep it straight flips. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then just back tails. I just want to do some back tails. Back tails. <laughs> that's what oh. I want. That's exactly what I want is I just want to get back oh, tails. That's the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for real. Oh, yeah. I just want to get back yeah. tails on everything. For real. Yeah. It's like, you know, like nolly half cab flip. Like, oh, that's all good. Yeah. yeah. You get a hard flip in there. Oh, I'm stoked. Yeah. 
That's great, man. I love it. Man, I'm so thankful for your time. It's been just so fun, so fun talking with you and hanging out with you. And I'm I'm really stoked on the way that the Lord is using you and your community of friends and, and the things you got going with Commune. And even as a dad, maybe just share, you know, I know we're not the only, you know, dads who are a part of this thing. So what's maybe one piece of encouragement or advice you'd offer to, to dads out there? Oh, okay. That's a good one. It's big. Uh, it is wide open. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. Uh, being a dad is the hardest thing out of all of the things I've ever done. That's for sure. It's yeah. harder than business. It's harder than being a pro skateboarder. Um, I would say that the, the, the biggest things that I've learned so far as a dad is one, my kids do not listen to me. They watch me. Yeah. So kind of what we were talking about earlier, like talk being cheap, it does not matter what I say. If I'm not living it an example, uh, they're not going to retain anything coming out of my mouth. Uh, that's one. Uh, to, I'm in this moment, I think a lot of us are, especially depending on where you live, but me being in California, uh, it's been so good for the last 20 years. And, and this idea that like everyone else will raise your kids for you, hmm. you drop them off at school, you get a sitter they're in these day, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, we, we are in this kind of awakening moment as a family over the last two years that uh, it's our responsibility to raise these kids and it's our responsibility to ultimately build leaders up so that they can go out and make an impact in this world. Right. And that view, it, 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 it's been of the last two years. Where it's like, wow, we were giving up way too much responsibility and putting it in other people's hands. Mm. So. I, I think as as parents, whether you're a, a a dad or a mom listening, remember our role and and what we're called to. Like we're called to build these kids up, to go out and make an impact. We're not called to just put a you know roof over their head and let let everyone else raise them. So, I would say that's been a big change for us in the last two years. That's man, I think that's spot on. Two things. I, one, I think it was John Eldridge who says our kids won't remember what we said; they'll remember how we were towards them. Yeah. And like, that's so true. Even reflecting on my own parents, like, um, I just, I know they love me not because they told me, but because they showed it. Right. Um, mm. and the second thing is absolutely like Deuteronomy six talks about like, here's what you get to do. You get to teach your kids and model for them. Like what it looks like to follow the Lord when you, when you rise up, when you lie down, when you walk, when mm. you're standing by the way, like just life, life happening. Right. <laughs> and, yep. uh, and right. taking intentional steps to like say, yeah, this is mine. Like the Lord has given me this. We talked about stewarding resources. Jeez. I can't think of more important things to, to steward and to care for and to raise up than, than our children. So we could do a whole 1, podcast on, on parenthood. 1,000%. <laughs> you, we absolutely uh, good. And <laughs> it would just be all the ways in which I've blown it, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's all of us. Yeah. yeah. That's all of us. Yeah. Thank you guys again for joining us on the Pursuit Collective Podcast. Thank you, Mikey, for being here with us, man. Really appreciate it. And as a reminder to all the listeners, trading in the path of worldly pursuits for one that leads to hope and life. Together we become the Pursuit Collective. Thank you guys for joining us. Thanks again, Mikey. Thank you, guys.